0: This morning? Yeah? Okay, we're just going to pray over our tithes and offerings uh, this morning. Uh, And again, if you didn't have a chance to bring it up here, there's a box on the left on the way out. Uh, Here's a scripture I have for us today Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Amen? Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. And some of the challenges, it's not, I'm not teaching a financial course right now, but what I would challenge some of you or all of us, and I challenge myself with this all the time, is to just do an inventory of where your heart is. And you say, how do I know where my heart is financially? Take a look at your bank statement let me take a look at your bank statement well you can actually do an inventory of your bank statement and if you look at it and read it just objectively it begins to show you where your priorities are it begins to reveal to you what is important in your life and if you look at mine which i'm not showing you i have a large family and so f- First of all, you know, tithing and then above and beyond the tithe is what what we do personally. But food is a very big one. And food is important to us. And healthy food is very important to us. And we believe that there's a lot of health in your eating and there's a lot of ways that we can actually avoid a lot of things. When we eat healthy, this is not a message on finances. It's not a message on healthy eating. What I'm saying is, is what the message is, is you can look at your bank statement and you can have an understanding of where your heart is. When it comes to finances. What are you believing in? What are you trusting in? And where are you putting your money in your finances? And so I just want to pray over our offering today. And just encourage each of you to have that reflection. Heavenly Father we just thank you. We thank you that we can trust in you. With all that we are. With every single area of our life. Father we just thank you for every person that gives. And uh, tithes and offerings. And for missions Lord. We just pray over each missionary that we support. Each ministry that is going out there uh, and just sharing the gospel message and feeding the hungry, Lord, we just pray a blessing over each one of those ministries. And, Father, we just ask you continue to multiply so that we can be a distribution center for you. And, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we will be debt-free in Jesus' name and that you will pay all our bills and they will be paid off in Jesus' name. And, Father, as I begin to share what you have put on my heart for this week, Lord, I just pray that you will just penetrate our hearts with truth of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Okay, turn with me to Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. Now, we've been in a series uh, called, uh, Micah is in one of the uh, minor prophets, it's in the back of the Old Testament, uh, getting towards the New Testament, and What we've been doing is a series on the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking through um, all the different, what I call them as job responsibilities of the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that you can read from Scripture. And we broke it down into four major categories of job description that we had seen, or we can see in the Word. And the first one was, he points us to Christ. He points us to Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Number two, he leads us, teaches us, and guides us to be like Christ. So not only does he point us to Christ, but then he helps us to be like Christ. And number three, he empowers us to do the work of Christ, for we are his hands and feet. And we spent quite a few weeks there talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And the fourth one that I said many weeks ago, and we just haven't got to yet, is number four. is He points us to justice on behalf of Christ. He points us to justice on behalf of Christ. And you're saying, okay, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? What does this mean? So let's read something in Micah 6. And I want to start in verse 6, and I'm going to read down through verse 8. And then we're going to flip over to John chapter 4, and I want to read a story out of John chapter 4. And my intention this morning, my intention this morning is... Uh, As we're getting close, I don't know if we'll wrap up uh, the Holy Spirit series this week or next, Uh, we are getting ready to go into the next series, uh, which is going to be kind of Erie Christian Fellowship Church in the last days. I'm going to do some teaching on biblical prophecy in the last days and some of the things that are going on even in our world today today. That's actually pointing to some of the things that are happening. And, okay, I'm totally sidetracking here. But, you know, what's interesting is, is I have been off of the news. I think I've mentioned this a couple times, right? I've been totally off the news. I'm not really watching the news. I'm not paying attention to it. But somehow the important news seems to find me. The important news seems to find me. And one of the pieces of information, of a certain piece of information that came and found me, was through a friend of ours, and it was talking about what's going on in Turkey. And I honestly, I can't even tell you if the news is, being, is covering what's going on in Turkey. I have no idea if like, Fox News is just like, hey, everybody, look over here, what's going on in Turkey, or if they're just talking completely about what we opened the service with and have been talking about, and everything else about defunding police and all this other stuff, if that's what they're talking about. What the problem is, is they're probably missing the most important piece of news and information that's actually happening in the world around us, but that nobody's telling anybody. Nobody's actually telling anybody. And so, from my perspective, is I need to tell you. You can find all you want out about COVID. I'm not here to tell you about COVID. What I am here to tell you about the Bible... And the biblical prophecies that are literally happening right in front of us, yet nobody's really talking about it. And we really have depends on you talking. And we really need to begin as a church to begin to open our eyes and open our understanding as to what's happening. So that whole series is going to focus on that. But just a little bit of a teaser: Turkey's president, whose last name is Erdogan. He's openly calling for what he is called, or what is actually known in history, as the Caliphate. He's opening calling for it, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is what we're going to be working on over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months, because it is a very important thing. What the Caliphate actually is, it's, it's the calling for the reassembling of the Islamic state. I mean, and, and from, a, from Turkey's perspective, we always have seen Turkey as an ally, and we think, well, you know, they're part of NATO, they're part of this, they're part of that. But if we don't understand what their president's positioning, openly positioning to do, this is not like, like hidden news. I mean, he is actually recorded saying these things, is his goal, basically, is to create a powerful Islamic state that will eventually go and destroy the Jews. Guys, this is happening. This is happening in the world today. And if you look, it's just like, well, should we be concerned about this? Should we be aware of this? The biblical prophecies say that this is what's going to happen. The biblical prophecies say that these things, these things are going to begin to happen. And there are so many parallels in our history between different things that are happening a hundred years ago, that are happening today, and the enemy is also at work, and we have to understand, yes, God is working, but the enemy is also working as well. And there's so many things going on from a geopolitical perspective that's happening, but the interesting thing, and I was watching something on this, we are like racing towards the intersection of biblical prophecy actual things that are happening, prophecies that are in the Quran from an Islamic, from, a, you know, from that perspective as well. It's all coming together. And we need to be aware and know what that is. And I think the challenge is, as the church and as Americans, we've been distracted by what's going on just in our home country. And there's more things going on than just that. Again, just a little whet your appetite for what's coming over the next couple weeks and couple months. I don't think I'm starting next week, but I will be starting soon after that. I really think we need to get into it and begin to understand the importance of it. Uh, I'm not saying that the president of Turkey is the Antichrist. Uh, Actually, I don't know. I'm not making that judgment one way or the other. But what I am saying is there's stuff that is happening that's in the Bible, and it's happening right in front of us, and you need to just be aware of it and understand what does it mean and then have a reflection of what do I do with this information, what am I supposed to do with this now that I have an understanding and know? Amen. Okay, Micah six. Wow, total sidetrack. Micah six. I'm going to start in verse six, and let me just give you kind of the uh, the scope of Micah. Uh, if you look at the whole book in general, there's a lot of different things that are going on. But in the section we're reading from contextual, uh, there is what we'll call is a scene that's occurring. Uh, there's judgment and restoration that will inspire fear and hope. These ideas are wrapped up in the final sequence of Micah's prophecy. It's almost like we're, we're sitting in a courtroom. All right, It's like we're in a courtroom right now. As I read this, I want you to think. Like we're sitting in a courtroom scene, and God's people are standing trial before their creator. Okay? So, like, if you're in a courtroom scene, and you're standing in front of God Almighty, our creator, do you kind of want to know what he's going to say? Right, you would think, it would be like, you know, it'd be kind of important, I want to know, like, during this scene when this happens, what is he going to say to me? And so it opens up with some questions that are being asked. It says, with what shall I come before the Lord? This is verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of oil? Like, you know, all the stuff that I... Is this what's going to make him pleased? Is this what's going to make the Lord excited when I meet him? Shall I give my firstborn? Oh my gosh, everyone's like, it gets, gets real quiet. Shall I give my fir- Wait a second, you're not telling me i got to give my firstborn for my transgression. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. No. Verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Three things. Look at this. Three things. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. And so what I want to begin to paint as a picture for you today is what does this justice really mean? What does this loving mercy really mean? And what does this humility mean? And the exciting thing is what it means is actually it's like this intersection of the fruit of the Spirit along with the intersection of the gifts of the Spirit and all of the workings of the Holy Spirit working together in one scripture to empower us to be able to do justice to be able to love mercy, and to be able to uh, live humbly. So the first one, do justice. What, What does the Bible mean here when it's talking about justice? Justice here does not just mean punishment for injustice. God's type of justice is not the type of justice that many of us think of when we think of, like, okay, we think the criminal justice system. Yeah? We think, well, justice is tied to criminal. But the God type of justice, listen to this, the God type of justice leads us towards righteousness. The God type of justice leads us to working towards peace, or what the Bible calls shalom, or fullness, or wholeness. In fact, we talked about this earlier today. God's ultimate goal of justice for you and for his people and for those around you is leading them to righteousness not to punishment, not to anger, not to all this. His goal for actual justice is actually righteousness. I'm going to give you this comment, and this was, okay, this was, I stole this. Ooh, shame on me. I stole a saying. I'm not taking any credit for this. I stole this from a church who stole it from somebody else. I don't know where they got it, but I want you to hear this this phrase, and I think it's really important. Inequality, listen to me. Inequality requires a civil rights movement. Iniquity requires a civil righteousness movement. And that is what we as Christians and as a church truly need to keep our eyes focused on. I'm not saying that there aren't any causes that the Lord has inspired you for to go after, but our ultimate goal is to bring God's righteousness, his peace, his type of justice, not the justice we want to administer in our flesh, but his righteous, righteous justice. When we're doing this, when we're working to do this, are, we are willing to work toward the flourishing of others. This type of justice reflects God's character. It gives people dignity and value because you know what? God created them. God created them. The ultimate goal is to bring people to righteousness. But what God does is he brings this grace. And what he did is he did it on a cross. He did it on the cross for you and for me. How do we do this? What does it look like? How do we do justice? I believe the rest of this scripture verse begins to show us exactly what it looks like. And let me tell you real quick what it doesn't look like. There's a story I have is when Anna was young. I'm sorry, Anna. I'm calling her out. I should have said who it was. One of my daughters, pretend, rewind, I didn't say anybody's name. One of my daughters, when they were young, we went to, I don't know where we went to, get a milkshake. And we, it was the first time that this young lady ever had a milkshake. She was pretty young. She was a year and a half, she was a year and a half old. And we were driving down the street and, and we were, you know, we were sharing the milkshake. And we passed the milkshake back to this young lady. Well, guess what? When that one-and-a-half-year-old got a hold of the chocolate milkshake or whatever it is, she had it like this. But she is sucking this thing down, and I mean, she's doing it fast. And I'm just like, I'm driving, okay? Now, I'm driving going, whoa, 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 whoa. There is injustice happening in this car right now. injustice going on. And so my response is to not do anything other than start swinging my hand back here, going, trying to reach the child, right? She's sitting behind me, so Liz can't reach her, right? I'm going this way, I'm going, this. I am swinging and swatting, trying to bring justice to this situation. I am completely out of control, right? I am upset, I was like, I love that chocolate milkshake. I want to have some of that chocolate milk. She's going to drink it all. And honestly, I, I'm not, I don't want to make light of how we approach justice in our world and when we see injustice, but you know what? A lot of times, this is how we react. We just start swinging and flailing and yelling and saying all these other things that we don't even know if that's what God wants us to say, but we are just reacting to a situation. We want justice, and we want it now. And I'm willing to swerve off the road to try to get my milkshake. You're like, Jason, what's wrong with you? You know, well, I, was oper- I wasn't operating in the gifts of the Spirit right there. I wasn't operating in the fruit of the Spirit. Those were not in operation in my life at the moment. And every t- all of us, we have our moments, okay? Yes, I have my moments. Now, if you would ask me, you know, do I still swing, you know, however many years later when someone's sucking down a milkshake? No, I just don't give milkshakes. Okay, there's easy ways to solve some of our challenges, some of our problems, and if they have a milkshake, it's going to be their own because I want mine. Anyway, I'm just saying. Okay, so think about that from a, from a justice perspective, is if, but if we begin to see justice as God sees it, and it's a movement towards people to get to righteousness, it begins to change how we act or how we try to administer this justice. So the second one, if you looked at Micah 6, was to love mercy. How do we bring justice? We have to love mercy. We have to be in loving kindness to one another. This this thing that we just begin to react and spout and start yelling, do you think that that's going to hit that person's heart and be like, oh, mm, you're right. That's right, exactly. Do you think Anna stopped sucking on that milkshake when I was swinging? Heck no. She was like, I don't have much time left, right? (laughs) She's like, I don't know if the car's going to stop. I don't know what kind of time, but she is just taking it down the milkshake. And that's how most people are going to respond or react when we are looking to do justice, when we come at them swinging. They become defensive and they put their walls up. But if we come at them as God is instructing us to, we have to do justice, church. We have, to lead, we have to be able to understand and to bring righteousness, right? Well, he brings the righteousness, but we have to point people to him. We have to point people to him. And how do we do it? We do that with loving mercy. It's also called kindness. If you look in the Bible uh, and if you begin to look at the original words, kindness is acting and speaking in such a way so that the dignity of another is assured. And the same mercy God extended to me is extended to them. Man, is that a definition of the fruit of the Spirit or what? Acting and speaking in such a way so that the dignity of another is assured. And the same mercy God extended to me is being extended to them. And if you look at this, you begin to think, reflect back on the previous weeks. This is like the fruit of the Spirit occurring right here. So we talked last week about how do we walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to go through that again. But if we want to do justice in our world, we want to point people towards Christ, we have to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. You see this? Love, mercy. I believe kindness, this, this, this word kindness, if you look, it's where like, the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit all intersect because we're doing it with compassion. You looked at Jesus when he did miracles, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That is like this beautiful way of seeing the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit coming together. And having in perfect operation as we can see in Jesus' life. Because I believe that when Jesus enters into a situation and begins to bring righteousness, when that power comes, lives are changed. When lives are changed, families are changed. When families are changed, cities are changed. When cities are changed, nations are changed. The last thing God instructs us here to do is to walk humbly. To walk humbly. Over and over in the Bible, it says that God resists the proud. 1 Peter 5, I don't think I have this up there, but 1 Peter 5, let me just read this starting in verse 5. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to the proud. He's opposed, but gives grace to the humble. And what does he say to do? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. If if we... If we do not do justice and bringing righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit in humility, it's going to lose its effectiveness. It's going to lose its effectiveness. The end of the day, it's about a heart change. The end of the day, it's about a heart change, turning people's hearts towards Him. Go to John chapter four with me. I want to read a majority of this chapter. And then I'll have uh, Jake come up and we'll just pray and we'll close. John chapter 4. And as I was reading this, as I was looking at it, this doing justice with loving mercy, in humility, Jesus absolutely does that in this situation. And I want to show you what the effect of that is. What the effect of doing this justice in this way, in this manner, what begins to happen? Starting in, starting in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard about Jesus and baptized more disciples than John. Verse 2, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. Verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Okay, I don't have a map for you up here, but if you want to look from a geor- geological perspective or geography, I guess would be the right word, the right perspective is he left Judea, which is down here. He was going to Galilee up here. He had to go through Samaria right here. And it says that he, ha- he had to go through. Do you know that he did not have to go through? There were a route that the Jews took a lot of times because they wanted to avoid Samaria, that if you cross the river, the Jordan River, and you go north, and then you can cross back, you can avoid going through this way. But the interesting thing is it says, no, I, he had to go through. The Holy Spirit compelled him, <clears throat> compelled Jesus to go through. To actually go through Samaria. You're like, well, why would, why would that happen? Let's continue to read. Verse 5. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. He went to the place where he knew he had to be. And he positioned himself in humility. Now look, I know he was tired. But what he didn't do was get up on the well and start yelling at everybody who was out there. You're a sinner. You're a... Now, if you're a street preacher, okay, we can have a different discussion about that. I'm talking about where the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit come interact to do justice in our community and in the places where God has placed us, okay? This is what we're talking about here. He positioned himself in humility. He was tired, but he didn't get up on the, what do we call the soapbox and preach. The fruit of the Spirit was evidence in his life even though he was tired, even though he was thirsty. Church, can we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives even when we're hungry and even when we're tired and even when we're thirsty? My family would probably beg to differ in my life. Dad, why are you, so, you hungry again? Right, We use that, word, that phrase, it's funny. Like you're hungry and angry at the same time. But look at Jesus... He wasn't lashing out. He wasn't upset. He positioned himself to be where the Holy Spirit was leading him. Verse 7, The woman of Samaria, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Jesus' ultimate goal here was righteousness. And watch this. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew... Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan, a woman. For the Jews have no dealings with us. So Jesus is breaking some of the rules here. He's breaking the rules. What, whose rules? The rules that were put in place, these arbitrary rules that were put out there, these weren't arbitrary. There was reasons why these rules were in place. But Jesus said, you know what? Righteousness, the soul of this person, the eternal place of this person is more important right now. And he began to say, you know what? I'm a man, you're a woman, I shouldn't be talking to you. I'm a Jew, you're a Samaritan, I shouldn't be talking to you. But he throws those out at the moment. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Notice what Jesus does. He doesn't address her sin. Not yet. He is bringing righteousness, He's going, you're going to see, he is going to bring righteousness to this woman's life, completely change her life, ultimately change the entire city, but what does he do first? He doesn't call out her sin first, he points her to God. He points her to God. So when we want to do justice in our life, our very first priority is to say, am I pointing to God? God. Am I having the fruit of the Spirit in my life that I am pointing and walking humbly in this situation? I love how he answered. You begin this with living water. Verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered again and said, verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Amen? We are going to be thirsty if we are drinking from anything else but his living water. We are going to be thirsty. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're saying, I've never tasted that water of the goodness, of I want you to come see me afterwards. And I want to show you and show you the scriptures and talk to you about the living water that can come and only come from him. But the water that I shall give, you, give him will become in him, look at this, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life and the woman said to him sir give me this water still hasn't addressed the sin still hasn't called her out still hasn't used any of the gifts or uh, yeah the gifts of the spirit a word of knowledge which is still coming he is pointing first to god and in our lives we have to be first pointing to god she says sir give me this water Please give this water to me that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus says to her this. Now he pulls out the word of knowledge. He is pointing them to righteousness. He is pointing her to God. And then he uses this gift of the Spirit. He says to her, go, excuse me, call your husband And come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said well. I have no husband, for I have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. He, Jesus, points to God. And only then does he begin to talk about the issues and sins in their life. You know, so many times, I don't know who said it, but there's this phrase out there that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's not a biblical saying, but it has biblical foundations, if you look at this. We may know a lot of things, but if we don't do these things with loving mercy, with kindness... And in humility, we ultimately don't get to the heart change and help that person get to a relationship with God, into ultimate righteousness with Him by doing it in a different way. I'm gonna skip down to verse 39 and close it out here. Jake, if you wanna come up. So he gets her attention big time by saying this. She says, well, just in verse 19, I perceive that you're a prophet. You go down to 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you'll neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. It says in verse 23, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship. And the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. Look at this beautiful representation. He comes with humility. He comes with loving kindness. He points people to God. Then he begins to use the gifts of the Spirit in order to begin to illuminate. And he reveals Jesus himself to her. In verse 39, it says, I love this. So what is the result when this is our posture and our positioning of doing justice, which is leading towards righteousness, is this. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, Because of the word of the woman who testified, look what ended up happening. He reached that one person with the love of God, with humility, using the power of the Holy Spirit in operation through him. One. The woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Last scripture in 42, and they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior Of the world. If we want to show Christ to this world, we want to see justice happen in this world, we have to do it through the power of the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As Micah commanded us in that courtroom scene do the justice, do it, don't avoid it. Do the justice, but do it with loving mercy and in humility. Let's bow our heads today. Father, we just thank you for this somewhat of a sobering message as a reminder to us. When we meet you face to face, what that discussion is going to begin to look like. You're going to ask us some of these questions if we did Justice but did we do it? Did we point people to righteousness with loving mercy and in humility? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it penetrates our hearts. that it changes our lives. Father, I thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for his life and the example that we can learn from. And how to walk with the Holy Spirit. To walk in the fruit, and in the gifts. And to see that when the fruit and the gifts are in operation together, lives are changed. Lives are changed. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, I just pray for our church with so much going on in the world and so many distractions that we would be a church that can minimize distractions, that can focus on your word, that can effectively do justice where you have placed us. Father, strengthen us through your Holy Spirit with the fruit and the gifts that we can point people to you, which is the ultimate form of justice because it is truly righteousness. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Alright right, guys, I've got some prayer team coming up here if the prayer teams want to come up here. Uh, As we close, I know it's a little after 12. That seems to be standard operating procedure now. Right around noon is when we finish up. If you have any need in your life and you want someone to pray with you on, please don't rush out of here. Come up here and these, these guys will pray for you. If you've never made Jesus... Lord of your life or there's something going on that I said or the Holy Spirit is urging you to come up to get prayer or to have a relationship with Jesus, come up here and I'll be here in the front as well. We want to pray with you. I don't want another day to go past where we don't pray in agreement with you and help you to understand God's loving mercy, His kindness and His goodness to you and what He did. Amen? Amen. Let me read this scripture as we close. Benediction here says, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who had loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week, and please come up here and get some prayer if you need it.